The Evolved Succeed podcast, where founders, entrepreneurs, business leaders, and experts are interviewed to explore the link between personal and business success. We will also investigate and establish the need for ongoing personal development, accountability, and support. The objective is to inspire you, the audience, to be better in life and in business. Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. On this week's podcast, we are doing something slightly different. Instead of the normal one guest, we're going to hear from five business owners, business leaders, about what they think the future of the workplace may look like for them, and also how they've previously adopted flexible working, and how they might see flexible working working for their businesses going forwards. I really hope this gives us all an insight into what we may be able to do and how we may be able to adapt our own businesses. Clearly, the way of working will probably change for us all going forward in some way, shape or form. But I don't think we should just let that happen and morph and just let it wave over us. I really think it's up to us as business leaders to stop and think and take the advantages of what's been happening in recent weeks and the advantages of flexible working as well as the challenges and understand them and ensure that we can adapt and cover those challenges such that when we do decide how we're going to work going forward, we're in control of the process and we're liaising and communicating with our teams and getting their opinions too. Therefore, I think this is a really topical subject right now and we will be covering and hearing from a variety of different sectors, from manufacturing to marketing, to consultancy, to technology, and even a FTSE 250 company director. So that's enough from me from this introduction. Let's get on with the show. My first guest is Paul Tanzi, Managing Director of Paul Based Intergage, a digital marketing business specializing in helping ambitious B2B sales organizations generate leads and make more sales through marketing and sales automation. He's also a director of Dorset Chamber of Commerce and Industry. Paul, uh, before we go into the future of the workplace, I wanted to include you as one of our panel of business leaders and business owners for this podcast, as I know that Intergage were already well ahead of the curve with flexible working and working from home arrangements. Uh, well ahead of the current COVID situation. So do you mind just explaining to the listeners how you're working pre-COVID? No problem at all. Hi, Warren. Um, well, what happened was that I, I went to work with Bournemouth University. and uh, There was an event that was put on where I got to work in, in teams with a group of young people. And we were talking about the future of work and what it might look like. And it became really apparent to me that the next generation – valued flexibility of working much more highly than I'd ever thought. And when I started to think about it and, uh, and started to talk to them about it, I realized that it was right up there in you know, their, their decision to which employer they would work with, uh, which is obviously a major factor in a, when we're trying to recruit talent in a crowded marketplace. And um, talent's always been, I'd say, you know, at least in recent years, has always been um, – fail to keep up with demand absolutely um, and i don't see that changing either no absolutely so um i went home for that evening and i thought i completely misunderstood how important um, flexible working is to this generation and i i thought about it i thought well 
there's absolutely no reason. I mean, much like a professional services, services firm like, for example, Inspire, you know, we've got a certain amount of work to do to fulfill contractual and project obligations. And it doesn't really matter for a lot of the people in the office when they do that work. So why wouldn't we be more flexible with that? Well, I think the only thing that, that potentially is a reservation, if we're really honest as employers, is probably trust. You know, but, mm. you know, in businesses like ours, if we trust what people are putting on their timesheet and we trust them to manage themselves and we trust them to be honest, then it's a short step to say, well, actually, we trust you to work in small teams to organize your days. And we said, well, what would really be involved? You know, if we everyone was on 37 and a half hour sort of week contracts, we said, well, if we just reduce those contracts down to 36 and we said to people, look, organize it amongst yourselves. Just make sure that you, um, you're always in on Tuesdays and Thursdays so that if we have to have meetings um, that involve people across teams, that we always know that we can schedule those for Tuesdays and Thursdays. But over and above that, if you want to organize your working day to be four nine hour days or whatever suits you, then fill your boots because we trust you and your adults and provided you fill out your timesheets and you know we, we still have sacred timesheets, then it doesn't really matter as long as you get the work done and you meet your deadlines. So if you can organize your working life um, to suit you better, then go ahead. And Wow. The, I mean, what this generation just, they, they, they looked at that and went, that's fantastic. I mean, they couldn't believe it. They were, um, and we said, well, you know, let's try it out. Let's see how it goes. And um, we did it. Subsequently, I was doing my coffee with a boss thing earlier this year and um, before COVID struck. And what I did was um, put a 15-minute meeting with each member of staff in the diary, and I just wanted to ask them some questions, you know, sort of revealing questions like, um, you know, what are we doing well? What are we not doing well? What do I need to know that I don't want to hear? Those kind of things. Um, and when I asked what we're doing well, the flexi time thing was absolutely universal. And, Paul, was that across the generations? Because that's quite mm. an interesting thing. You've adapted your workplace for the younger generations, but you've got a mix of kind of demographics, you know, within within your office environment, haven't you? So that yeah. was across the board. Do you know what? Some of the older ones see are, are kind of a bit old school, as much as, and I think the the senior people kind of love their job so much that it doesn't really occur to them to um, to shorten the working week. It seems they, they've always had a problem, I guess, because they're so into it that they overwork a lot of them, and they because they love it and they you know it's their passion as well as uh, as well as their job. And they're senior, and they know that if the company does well, you know they'll do better they for do it. Well. Yeah. yeah. So there's a slightly different mindset, and really, in the older people in the business with the directors, because they've got a slightly different mindset. But the vast majority of our company is is in their twenties or early thirties, and and they all um, would never want to give this up. I said, in fact, I had a conversation with one that went like this, and she was after a pay rise, and I said, okay, um, in the last year, what we've what we've done for you is we've we've done lots of things in terms of benefits, but you know we have done this for you, for example. What is it worth to you? Um, would you would you go back to working five days a week for an extra one thousand pounds a year? And she went, nope, two thousand pounds a year, nope. £3,000 a year? No. Got up to £5,000 a year before she even thought about it. So, <laughs> so it was it was really revealing that there is a real value to this because, yeah. you know, when you can organise your days so that you can have four-day weekends, you know, if that's what you want to do, then 
you know, it does provide a quality of life, particularly, you know, living where we do. We're, we're so blessed to live here that we've got so much recreational opportunity right on our doorstep that it makes a massive, massive difference and that it, to their well-being and to their relationships very often. You know, it hadn't occurred to me when I, t- I spoke to uh, one young lady that was working for us, she said, you've no idea um, what, what you've done for me. And uh, because I travel in from Southampton every day, it's, you know, an over an hour journey each way. Um, I look after uh, I'm a, and I'm a carer uh, when I'm not working for my my husband. And you've no idea how, what you've just done for me. What you've done is liberated me. And so yeah. we, we, you know, that's she's saving money as well as uh, as getting precious extra time um, that she's which she's loving. And and that set us on the on the path before the COVID thing came into thinking, you know, we can extend this further as well. And it just so happens that COVID's come along and it's forced us and all the other employers into a position where you are now you have to take that step, that next step of trust and say, do you trust people to work from home? And also think that it's asked the it's asked the employees to think about their relationship with work and how important it is to them. Uh, uh, yeah, that's a good point. I think, yeah. And do you think that's something that's going to change going forward? That relationship between employee and how much they value the workplace and their work and the working environment? I think so. I think there's a couple of things. I think that, you know, people have uh, have missed the buzz of the office. I and mean, I've asked people, would they work from home, would they like to work from home all the time? The answer is pretty much unanimous, no. Um, that, you know, they want to be in the office. They want to, they like the buzz. They like the culture. You know, um, you yourself as a leader know how important it is to build a really positive culture. We work really hard on that. And they and they do like, you know, being in the office with those great people and having, having stimulating and, and inspiring meetings. Um, so th- they do want some of that, but it's about getting the balance right. And they don't really need to be in the office. You know, and if we, if we think about that, we can probably organize our office. So it's a half the size, a quarter of the size and just organize it. So we've got the various teams in at various times and we can really cut down the space that, that we need. That's for sure. But I think the other thing is, you know, the whole COVID thing where we've, you know, people have got the opportunity to be furloughed and get paid um, 80% of what they would have earned anyway or not. Uh, and in some instances, businesses like ours, where our team all agreed to take a, a 20% pay cut before furlough even came along, which is brilliant. And all, the reason for that was just to save everybody's jobs in the short term. So they've had to ask themselves, they've had to say, well, you know, what is work to me? Is it just a, a method of getting money? Or was it more important to that? Is is it more important? Is it actually part of my identity? Does it give me purpose? Does it give my, my day and my week structure? And, and you know, am I actually a member of a tribe that I want to be a member of? And Or am I happy to sit on the sidelines, take the money, um, um, as opposed to being in the fight to, you know, recover from COVID and do this thing? So I think it's it's been quite profound in terms of, the questions it's, it's asked employees and it's and the questions it's asked employers in, in terms of the trust they're prepared to invest. It's, yeah, and I think you're right, Paul. It's definitely twofold, isn't it? That there is going to be a change on perspective from the employee's perspective as well as the employer's perspective. Yeah. I mean, can you ever see a time in the future when all staff will work from home permanently and perhaps only come together physically for certain important meetings and events? Or having, or is having a base really important? Do you think a home, as it were? Well, I think you need to have a home, a place that um, you know, people identify with your brand. And um, but I think that can change. You know, I think the the shared spaces are going to become a whole lot more common. And you know, if, for example, I'm, I chair meetings um, 
the Silicon South, um, which is, you know, for agency leaders. And um, we're having conversations in that group. And, you know, common thread of the conversations is is what does our relationship with our office look like and people have mooted the idea that we could you know we could actually create combined spaces um, that have brilliant meeting rooms and brilliant facilities for I don't know, video production or whatever and and share those and timeshare the, the offices so that we can you know have our team meetings to great space effectively make all the signage electronic um, and press a button and change all the signs when you're in so that it's it's engaged this moment or it's um you know it's another agency's logo and branding all over it the next and how cool might that be that would be really cool and proper collaboration across an industry group would be amazing wouldn't it particularly on the south coast where that creative sector is so strong yeah absolutely and and so i think you know there are so many long-term positives that might well come out of what is obviously short-term hardship and I, I don't want to be flippant about it. i know how difficult this time is going to be for many many people so mm. i know how irritating it could be when people bounce up and down and say i'm so excited to look at all the opportunities because you know that's that's really going to hurt you if you've just lost someone you love or your business has just gone bust but you know we are in a place where change is stimulating for leaders and lots of leaders that i speak to are kind of weirdly aroused by the fact that all of this change is going on because business as usual is a great time for managers and and you know change is a great time for leaders i think just look at yeah. winston churchill in that respect yeah. you know when there's a challenge and uh, we really need that we're under threat we really need a leader um it was a great time for him but as soon as it went back to business as usual he was just um he was jettisoned pretty quickly really it's interesting, isn't it? Because, um, you know, we've got a similar client base around entrepreneurial mindsets, you know, in terms of the fundamental kind of kind of client we work with. And there's numerous of them have come to me and said, this is great. This is my time. Yeah. Mm. I feel like I'm needed again in my business. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, and it's a different mindset, I suppose, isn't it? But yeah, we've got to be mindful. Uh, yeah. It's, there's opportunity, but there's also threat at the same time. It's how you balance that opportunity and threat, isn't it? It is. So, Paul, as a business leader, I mean, you're a good person to ask this question because you've been through the change, but perhaps reflect on where it's going as well. How do you think your style of leadership and communication has needed to adapt and change as a result of the flexible practices that you've put in place already? and from the resulting change that's going to come going forward? Well, that's a really interesting question, Warren. Let me share something with you. When I was um, doing my cups of coffee, 15-minute cup of coffee with a boss thing, which often stretched out to 30 or 40 minutes <laughs> if it, uh, once we got going, um, one of the things that people told me was, um, Paul, I used to really like it when you used to give us much more in-depth updates on the business and how it was doing. And I said, really? Because when I was delivering those those talks, I often felt like you lot were glazing over and um, that this was the boring bit of our lunchtime learning that you just like couldn't wait to get over. And people were saying, no, it's, it, we might look like that, but no, honestly, we were sitting there listening and concentrating and it was it was really important. And, and relentlessly, I got the feedback that I wasn't communicating enough about where the company was and how it was going and the challenges we were facing and what we we're doing about them. And and so I'd started to ramp that up. And in these times, I think it's obviously, you know, people can get very insecure in an information void or vacuum. And we absolutely cannot let that happen as leaders. We've got to fill that vacuum with more information than they need so that um, at least they feel informed and they can see what's happening. It's nothing more than being blind and panicking. Um, you know, if you can see what's going on in the sort of 
the business landscape, I think that helps a lot. People feel a lot more um, secure, even if the even if the news might be bad. At least if they can see it coming, they, they don't feel that like, they're completely kept in the dark. So um, I think it's really important. I think to answer your question, I'm doing a weekly. I'm just about to write a weekly communication that I'm doing now, which is a business update, and it's very thorough. It's a couple of sides of A4 typically that I let everyone have. Um, I'm calling people individually every week and having one-to-one -one conversations with them where previously I might just breeze through the office and said hi hey doing morning thinking that just saying good morning and saying how are you was enough but since that since this has happened I think we've all learned that actually that isn't enough and we just need to ask the question how are you in more interesting and in-depth ways and actually listen to the responses and be sensitive to to how our people are feeling um to a much greater degree, I think, you know, and I think also this, this, I've learned that as a leader, vulnerability is really important that you don't pretend you've got all the answers. Cause when you're in a situation like this, it's one of those moments where, you know, I need it. I need the brain power that comes with every pair of hands I have in the, in the team. Uh, I don't just need their hands and I don't need to focus on the work. I need every idea, every inspirational ounce of energy that I can get out of these people in terms of, you know, how do we cope with this? No one's ever been through this before. And if it's all down to me, um, then actually as a leader, that's a lot of pressure. I would much rather that we, we all contributed and getting them to engage and think about, you know, um, the wider and bigger picture has been quite interesting as well. Brilliant. Thank you, Paul. Uh, and I, again, I absolutely agree with what you're saying, because I think it's that collaborative working and, and you should be the conduit as the leader to, to find the right solution, but you shouldn't be the one to be thinking in isolation that your solution is the only solution or the right one. And I think yeah. strong communication in uncertain times, as you're saying, is clearly vital because people do need to know where they are and where they stand. And there's, particularly if they're in uncertain environments working at home in isolation, then the more yeah. direct communication there is and the honest communication, the better that can be. So one final question for you, Paul. You're obviously, you know, you'd, you are a long way down the track towards proper flexible working, working from home, you know, working a four-day four week, all of those kind of things. What changes specifically when you can get back and you could open the office with the key and let any, everybody in? Or are you going to revert to how you were working previously? So... The question is, what am I going to do when I can get back to the office? Uh, will we go back to working as we did? Um, yes. Uh, we won't go back to working as we did. We will look for a smaller office and we will manage time much more effectively and we will give people more freedom and we will aim to give them as much working at home time as would work for both them and us. Um, you know, I have absolutely no issue with my team. We've got brilliant technology. I mean, it's one of those things where, and I, I don't know about you, but I, I was quite late moving over to an IP telephone system because we were all in one office and it didn't really matter that we had an old Toshiba PABX thing. Um, but a gentleman called Andrew Skipsy at M12 was relentless in selling me the benefits of it. And um, you I know, Andrew, because he is relentless, isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah, great he's, at what he does. Oh, he's, a, he's one of the world's best salespeople, honestly. I love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And, um, and so eventually he persuaded uh, me and my, uh, my board to implement the IP phone system. And there were enough benefits for us to do it anyway. And then this happened and it's like, oh, thank God. 
because you know we it, the, having that IP phone system has been it's been you know connected our kitchens and our home offices together in a way that feels like we are still at work. We can see who people are on the phone to. We can see when people are having calls with each other, when they're um, having video calls with each other, who's in the conference, and it's just, it, it feels like we've just turned Dorset into a big office really, and um, even a little bit corner of Hampshire. We've got people, so yeah, we do. We've no need at all to go back to the everybody in the office nine to five thing for even four days a week. And I, I, I know I'm not alone. A lot of people look at that going, actually, this is this is madness. And here in Dorset is great news because there's no sooner if you get a group of people together and say, what are our biggest challenges here in Dorset? You'd, you'd hear three things. After they talked about the skill shortage, you then talk about congestion on the roads, the communication and the rubbish net, um, commu- um, communications to other areas of the country in terms of road and rail. Um, and then you'd hear, you'd hear about the lack of office space. Well, I think it's just absolutely fantastic news that um, you know COVID has, has introduced us to new ways of working. I mean, we can combat all of those. It's not so great news that the skill shortage will probably go away in the short term uh, as lots of people are laid off. Um, but that hopefully will be temporary. But... Yeah, brilliant. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for your time. That's excellent. Uh, it's been a pleasure, Warren. Thank you for inviting me. That was great to hear from Paul, particularly in what he was doing and the lessons he learned pre-COVID-19. Our next guest is Trevor Webb. Trevor is a director of Sabre Insurance, a motor insurer based in Surrey. The business operates from a single site and in December 2017 went through an IPO and is now a FTSE 250 listed business. Hello, Trevor. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Warren. Thank you for inviting me. So, Trevor, I'm interested in speaking with you on this podcast about the future of the workplace because you're a director in a FTSE 250 business, and I'm intrigued to see and hear how the thoughts of a larger business may be shifting in terms of the workplace of the future. So I suppose kick off with us a really simple question. Right now, how have you as a business adjusted your ways of working in the last 10 to 12 weeks? Okay, so we're a business of about 160 people. We're based in a small um, market town in Surrey. And in the in the build-up, really, to lockdown, we were testing home working. So up until that point, very few people had really worked from home, and certainly none of our operational people. And by way of context, the business is a, uh, is a motor insurance company. So... Um, once lockdown came, we all transitioned to working from home, and really that was um, en- enabled by our technology that allowed us to really continue in working in the same way and to um, put in place some communication protocols between our teams um, and our managers, um, and those have sort of continued. So I guess what I would say is where are we now? We're very used to working from home. We're dealing with the work in a controlled and compliant manner. Um, We're regulated by both the PRA and the FCA, so we need to ensure that we're compliant with everything that they would expect, as well as the ICO from a GDPR perspective. And actually, we're at an interesting point where I think it would be fair to say that more of my colleagues prefer working from home than um, would um, necessarily at this point in time want to return to the office. We are just starting to think about returning to the office, however, and we've we've laid out today a um, skeleton plan to our staff in terms of what that transition might look like. I guess our 
concerns are that we're able to continue to support our customers, that we're able to deal with volumes of work in a productive way. Um, we're in a, an area that deals with um, car insurance claims. So there's been less work during lockdown as there's been less traffic around. But as lockdown eases, certainly that volume's increasing and we need to make sure that we can continue to to deal with it. It's really interesting what you say there, Trevor, about that perspective of some people probably really enjoying working from home and getting a lot from it, feeling more productive. Uh, and probably that is the majority on the whole compared to others that may be feeling isolated. Do you think you've had a, that ex- those two extremes? Yeah, exactly, exactly right, Warren. So we've got we've got people that are very happy. In the last survey, I had one say, "My commute's now free." Um, and I can stay in bed longer. So we've got everything from there to actually I'm I'm living on my own, I'm working on my own, I'm not seeing people, I'd really like to get back into the office. Um, and th- there are associated mental health issues with um, with some people in terms of sort of the working environment. So we need to be thinking about all of those, which is really why our first step is going to be really just to return to the office for those who want to just making it available. So if they feel that they're less productive and that they're unable to work um, in the way that they prefer to be able to work, that that opportunity to come back into the office is going to be made available. um, And we as employers will be making that workspace um, as safe as we possibly can for them. Yeah. But one of those challenges that that presents itself, isn't it, is in the short term, that's great. Because, and I think Inspire will be doing something different as we'll evolve. And I think a lot of people are going to do that short period of time where effectively the office is open, reduced numbers in, people come in if they want, people that want to work from home can work from home if they want. But I'm intrigued to think about, you know, not just in case of Sabre, you know, the business that you're involved with, but maybe just businesses as a whole is how are we going to overcome that challenge of keeping everybody happy in the workplace offering flexibility but still remaining productive and and dealing with you know most businesses have got some form of regulatory issues and dealing with that kind of productivity client service keeping everybody motivated meeting regulatory issues there's challenges galore for the future isn't there there are warren and one one of the things i've been thinking about is actually how we recruit people so the we, yeah, we tend to recruit new to industry people and we train them up from scratch and actually, part of our recruitment process is how would you work in an office environment? How would you fit within the environment and the DNA of the business and the team? And perhaps, and being in the office, everything sort of geared around the osmosis of that DNA and ensuring that um, new to new to business colleagues sort of understand that DNA and have got the right fit. And in a more flexible working environment, I think that becomes sort of the first challenge. So if you start with sort of that recruitment process um, and actually, if we've not recruited people with an eye to them being more flexible working, because this is something that's sort of come upon us in an unplanned way. We had been pre-lockdown sort of early part of this year and end of last year, we've been exploring more around how we can be flexible in terms of working. But that was still office-based rather than the rather than sort of the extent that we've seen from working from home. I think sort of looking more widely, we're certainly seeing 
Yeah. When, when I'm talking to businesses that are in the city that are in very expensive premises, we're certainly seeing discussion there around a much more significant migration to almost full-time homeworking. And actually, we're just going to close our office. So a, a binary position rather than that sort of hybrid model of some working from home and some working in the office. And is that already taking place with some of the larger businesses in the city that they are mm. going that binary? They're going to sort of run down, shut down their that, office that's space. That's it. So I read this week, which Slate and Gordon, a big law firm, um, have a London office. Um, I read that they're closing that down and they're going to migrate fully to a work from home office. Sorry, a work from home solution. Um, right. And we we know that a number of a number of the banks haven't got any plans in sort of short to medium term to return to work um so there are there are going to be knock-on consequences here in terms of what's going to happen with all these vacant huge commercial properties um if, if gonna, they do become not available careful. it's you know at the moment we've been going through in the last two three years a crisis in the retail commercial property sector that's going to knock on now into particularly in large city centres, the office environment, more vacant, empty buildings, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's it. And then what are the what are the subsequent changes to our transport structure, which are really geared around in the big conurbations, getting people to work and getting them home again. So that there are some big ticket issues here that, frankly, I've, I've just not started to, to, to think about. I've, I've been thinking more sort of about our business and and if we do have a hybrid model, how that might actually work. Yeah. And I think one of those things, and I, it was interesting for you to mention it a few minutes ago, is how do you immerse people in the culture? Because I think, you know, a lot of businesses, particularly those that are perhaps entrepreneurial or grown from, you know, a sort of owner-managed scenario. And I know Sabre came from those sort of that background and they build to bigger businesses and the, the challenge in those businesses is always how to keep the culture, how to keep the DNA, how to keep the essence, spirit and beliefs going through the growth. But I think it's, it's a twofold challenge, isn't it? Is that even now, without that intense interaction of people, and Zoom's okay, but it's not, I don't, I can't see it being the answer, is how to create that same culture, that same spirit within your existing team. And as you say, let alone, with the people that you recruit, because traditionally you've done that by immersing them with the good people that follow that culture and believe in the way in which you do things. Absolutely right. And a lot of culture is osmosis. It's around yeah. having good behaviours that, that, that get passed on um, and, and get picked up. So it's contagious. So if you've not got that opportunity within a lockdown environment or from a work-from-home environment, and actually when you then come together, it is potentially artificial. You're either going into the office for a day to go and say hello to everybody or you're on a Zoom call. It's not real. It's it's all artificial. It's not those water cooler moments where you just have that two-minute, how are you, what's going on? And as a leader in a business, you want those insights from actually what is going on in your business that you might not necessarily get through the normal sort of command uh, um, leadership structure. Um, it's yeah. sort of speak. It's speaking to those other people in the office and seeing their body language and everything else, which actually is critical. Yeah. Um, so one of the questions I had for you actually, which we'll move on to, Trevor, is 
Now, as a business leader, how do you think your style of leadership and communication is going to need to adapt and change going forward? Yeah, so I've I I like to think um, colleagues might might say otherwise, but I like to think that I I have a completely open door policy, and that anybody and everybody will come and speak to me, and I will go and speak to anybody and everybody, and find find those opportunities to do that wherever possible. You can't do that remotely. I, my, my area of um, responsibility, I've, I've got just over 80 people sort of reporting into me through a sort of structure of team leaders and managers. I can't do that. I can't physically make that many phone calls. And by the time I've got through call recording messages and everything else, I'll have wasted most of my day. And you you just can't get those, you can't get those messages sort of through on, on a Zoom call. So Written communication perhaps comes becomes a bit more important, but it's not a replacement. It's an alternative. No. I think delegating and relying on your people again is is an alternative, but it's not the same thing. I think I think our people like to hear the messages from sort of leaders of the business. They like to hear what's yeah. going on. They want to hear about the strategy, and they they don't necessarily want that sort of cascaded model. And it's a Chinese whispers model if you're not careful, isn't it? Exactly. For a business like ours, we've got relatively low spans of control. So, um, as a as a board director, I'm uh, one of my three reports away from somebody that's just come into the business. So it, it's a really short chain of command. And um, I think if you get into that information cascade, it it just makes that overly complicated, rather than just having the conversations. And you said something really interesting earlier that you bring people in, you train them, you develop them. Have you thought yet about how you're going to be able to achieve that in an environment where people aren't physically present with them? They can't easily job shadow. I mean, that's a huge challenge for you and your model that you have, isn't it? Yeah. So um, so we run a training academy that's got about 10 young 10 people in it that a lot of them are new to work so maybe their first job since they've left um, college or university and quite a bit of quite a bit of their training is actually acclimatizing them to an office environment and some of the discipline that that requires we we've been through lockdown with our with our trainees we didn't furlough them. Um, we found work for them to do. And in fact, we had, well, I think, one of our trainees had been with the business for a week the day um, the day that we went into lockdown. But our view was we want to stand by these people and actually we, we make a lot of effort to recruit the right people. We found the right people. Let's let's keep hold of them. I think I'm of a, I'm of a view that that is something that you cannot do remotely. I think we will always need an office environment to be able to maintain that recruitment and training and development and a lot of what our people do is personal development coaching one-to-one they're on the job now we have over the last 11 weeks managed to get through that and we've provided an awful lot of training but it's not quite the same it can't be quite as effective and productive can it no, that's it. So I, I suspect in my mind, we will probably gear more for our business. We will we will be looking to gear more to a return to the office environment and then reignite those that, that positioning around 
flexible working, um, but in a more thought through way and actually understanding what the art of the possible is. Because when we were looking at when we were looking at previously working from home wasn't sort of part of that art of the possible. It was purely BCP. Whereas now we know that in, in for some instances it, it can work and in some roles it can definitely work. Yeah. But again, I think a very valid point, Trevor. I think if we're not careful by osmosis, we do just continue doing what we've been doing for the last 10 to 12 weeks as businesses when actually we should reflect, listen to our team and actually work out what the future may look like and actually plan for flexible working plan for the future of the workplace, plan for people working from home and how does that work? And rather than just kind of transcend into this world, I think, yeah, strategic thinking is needed, isn't it? And um, But that's going to be challenging, I think, because I think we're going to be under pressure from our teams to just continue rolling forward. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think for a lot of people, this is, and you know, we've, we've We've been going through a glorious spring and summer, haven't we? So, yeah. um, although I look out today and it started raining, so. <laughs> yes, yeah. But but you know, but the weather outside is glorious. We're not doing our commute, um, as you know, Warren. I I work away from home, so for me personally, this has been yeah. absolutely amazing. Since so the first time in was it about sixteen years that I've spent time actually, well. In fact, the, the young girls weren't even weren't even um, born when I started working away from home. So, right. yeah. So f- for me personally, there's lots of it that have been absolutely great, but so much of it that I miss. There's an expression that I use with my with my team, which is, "Do you know what? Today I'd have paid to go to work. I've not had a single one of those moments since I've been working from home." Yeah. And that's because you don't get that camaraderie. You don't get those actually inspirational moments where as a group of people you're discussing something and you come up with a you come up with that solution because you're you're there and you're drawing it on a whiteboard or you're scratching bits of paper down bits bits and bobs down on a piece of paper you don't get those moments in zoom yeah Um, i'd agree with that and also i think we've become very productive and efficient but we've become very functional which has been great and is actually what's been needed to get a lot of businesses through this period but it's that creative thinking that collaborative working and we've all got to find ways of introducing that in the new world as well haven't we yeah yeah absolutely right absolutely right so yes so so, so a lot of elements really positive so yeah the challenge is going to be to do it in a think this through in a strategic way and perhaps we've lost 11 weeks of doing that but um we spent a lot of time i guess coming to grips with where we are and what it is we need to do week on week Um, but thinking through in a strategic way how we get that balance right brilliant thank you trevor thank you for your input on the podcast really appreciate it great to have been involved thank you so much warren great to hear trevor's views from a larger businesses but also some insights in what already is happening in the city Our next guest is Becky Boston. Becky has over 20 years experience dealing with high-level HR challenges across a wide range of sectors. She's co-founder of Emphasis and Becky and her business partner Jane have been working together for 17 years to create a strong team of HR consultants. Hello Becky, welcome to the podcast. 
Hi, Warren. Nice to be here. That's good. I uh, just thought, I'm really keen to have you on the podcast from two perspectives, Becky. One is you're, you're obviously a founder with Jane in Emphasis HR and HR Consultancy. So we'll come on and talk about some of the HR aspects around flexible working, working from home, changes in the workplace. But I'd like to hear your own personal story uh, as a business leader and business owner. So what's happened with you? Are you, I assume you're now working from home, Becky? You're not working from an office environment as previously? Yes, I'm working from home. Um, I've thought, I'm fortunate enough to have a separate office in my house, so that really helps. Um, I appreciate the challenges of working in different areas around the house. So I think I'm in a privileged position from that point of view. Yeah. And how have you found that transition? Because, you know, doing what you do, you've got people in your business, you've got a team, haven't you? You've got a fellow partner in the business and working in isolation. Have, have you found that difficult? Um, I found it uh, has its challenges and its opportunities. So I think it's challenging to keep communicating with the team. We're using Teams and Zoom, which are both fairly new to us, but useful in terms of keeping in touch. Um, so it's it's hard to make the connection that you'd make physically on a video conference, but it's provided opportunities for us in terms of doing coaching, settlement agreements, redundancy process via video conference rather than face-to-face. And somehow some of those processes seem more efficient and more effective doing them remotely through video conference. So that's been a surprising sort of turn of events, if you like, for us. Do you think that changes your business model going forward? It depends on how people take this technology going forward. So if people are quite happy to accept that it's been done by video conference, it's fine, it worked, then yes, it could change our business model in that we could work across, you know, the UK, you know, even globally in terms of doing our HR activities. So I really hope that we are able to do that in the future. Yeah, I did. I think it is. It's given a lot of businesses that opportunity to think wider than their sort of very close locality, isn't it? It just gives that geographical reach. Yeah. I'm also intrigued to hear, obviously, you had an office before that's sort of mothballed, as many of our offices are. Do you see a time soon when you bring the team back into the office environment? Or can you see a, a sort of future where you are more flexible and there is more working from home and less attendance in the office? Um, I can see um, that the team would like to be together again. So I think there's a sense of well, community or team um, that we need to preserve. So at this point, we recognise that the office is quite a big overhead, but we recognise the needs of the team to be sociable and, and, and also knowledge sharing is quite important. So we'd like to bring the team together. I think there'd be more flexibility for people to work from home when they want to, because we know it works. We know they, they've worked well from home. And is it something you're offering previously or traditionally where you mainly all in the office? We have always offered homeworking, probably less so to the more junior members of staff. And I think it's important that they are in the office to learn from others. Um, and that's something they're not getting at the moment. So I think that's important. Uh, but the senior consultants have always had the opportunity to work from home if they wished. But I think we'd offer it more. 
I, th- I think that's, that's a key issue. I mean, we've had it within Inspire and, and talking to others in business and a couple of people on this podcast is we all love developing people and growing our own people. And at the moment, that's the challenge is it's very difficult to follow that model with more junior members of the team, have them work shadowing and developing them. And, and typically in a lot of businesses, they're the individuals that perhaps been furloughed. And it's how can you have that introduce that flexibility into the business, which is maybe needed uh, and you want to do, but still develop people. Yeah. Has, it, has its challenges, doesn't it? And what about kind of productivity? Have you seen similar levels of productivity in the team or increased productivity? How do you think? I think, I think um, productivity has increased when people have been working because there's no commute and people seem to be just sort of glued to their screens. And I think there's a very real desire amongst the people who are still working to make this work and therefore quite a commitment from them. Yeah, agreed. And what about leadership and communication? Have you had to change your style of management, leadership and communication? I think we have evolved over the period of this lockdown. In fact, first of all, things were very chatty and, you know, just catching up. And we've now had much more of an agenda, uh, more rigid, uh, focused discussions rather than just general chit chat. So I think there was the novelty element of it. And now there's the, you know, we need to crack on and actually make a few decisions and decide on what we need to do for the future, that sort of approach. Yeah. And if you don't mind me asking, because you like I, you know, your business represents a lot of entrepreneurial and owner managed businesses. That's your kind of key client uh, type. Uh, How have you seen them adapt in the situations? And is there anything you've seen that they've done well in terms of flexible working or perhaps thoughts you've had from them on what the future of the workplace looks like? Yeah, we've got quite a wide variety of clients. So some, you know, construction clients never stopped working, but had to adapt to be safe in terms of the COVID spread. Others have gone much more uh, home working, which they've never done before and have found works very well. Um, And others have adapted into new product areas, which uh, suit the current climate. So I think... um, entrepreneurs, owner-managed businesses are so much more nimble and can respond well and almost thrive on this sort of environment because it gives them the challenge to look at what they're doing, cut costs, um, adapt, evolve. Um, I think it's an opportunity as well as quite stressful period of time, obviously. Yeah, I do do think that personality type comes into its own, doesn't it? Those that adapt well to change are typically the business owners and entrepreneurs and yeah, the the only thing they've got to watch, isn't it, is they're evolving, changing, developing, seeing new opportunities, and it's how they bring their teams uh, with them. Yeah, totally. I think that's an important part that people maybe get lost in their own ideas and uh, thoughts and don't share these with the rest of their team. And it's just keeping on communicating and maybe even over communicating in this period. Brilliant, Becky. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your own kind of place in how things are progressing for you and and for emphasis i'd like to go on and just tap your expertise if i may uh one of the things that i haven't seen much comment on there's been a lot of comment in social media and and in the press and tvs about the future of the workplace and clearly that has some impacts on hr and what we should be doing and how we should be notifying our team and how we manage 
our team and, and all of those kind of things. So, I mean, you know, we went into lockdown and it was a case, well, you off you go, go work from home. Yeah. And it was kind of a government dictate. As things ease and the lockdown eases and people, you know, it then becomes, there's, it becomes an element of choice. Any tips and advice on how we should be approaching our teams um, from an HR perspective on, you know, either we want them to get back into the office because it's now safe to do so, or actually we've decided as business owners, we want to work more flexibly and have them working from home. What do we need to do to be legal? Well, the most important thing is consulting with people. So just talk to them as soon as you can, really, because you want to understand what people's concerns are, what they're feeling, what other commitments they have that you need to work around. So um, it's it's having that conversation, getting as much information about any concerns they have. So if somebody has concerns about returning to the workplace because they don't feel it's safe or they're not sure about social distancing, it's explaining to them everything you've done to put in place all the safeguards. Um, and then, you know, come along to the workplace, see it. You could see it with nobody in it, for instance, to see how we've adjusted it and how we've made it safe. And then really people should return to work if you're um asking them to because they can only refuse if there's a severe and imminent danger and if you've put everything in place in terms of safeguard there isn't that um, imminent danger in place Um, if you want people to work from home maybe permanently or more often then although health and safety uh, risk assessments haven't taken place at this time because it's an unusual situation, you would have to investigate their working area if it was more permanent to make sure it's comfortable and safe for home working. You'd have to agree costs like internet, printing costs, what you were going to contribute towards, and you would have to change their contract to show their home as their main base of work, which may affect travelling to clients and how expenses are claimed. So there's a few things to put in place if, if some of these things are to be on a more permanent basis. But whilst it's temporary, we can just sort of um, go along with uh, it working okay. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, isn't it, what you say about from the health and safety aspects, because you do see people on Zoom calls and they're literally not quite, but perched on the end of the bed and, <laughs> and laptop and kind of dressing table. And it's not a safe way to work going forward, is it? No, no. No. Brilliant, Becky. I really appreciate your insights, as I say, both of you as a business owner and just that piece at the end around what our responsibilities are and an insight. And I, I take away those thoughts there about consult 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 really and 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 make it a consultative uh process rather than a dictate yeah totally i think talking to people is always the best approach brilliant thank you becky thanks for being on the podcast thanks warren great to hear some of becky's thoughts there but also get an insight from her on some of the hr challenges and things that we need to think about if we are going to work towards more flexible working practices. Our next guest represents the manufacturing sector and is Richard Lockyer, an operations and manufacturing professional who believes that a leader's role is to build great teams by creating environments that they can thrive in. Hello, Richard. Hi there, Warren. Just, yeah, it's great to have you on the podcast and get some insights from you on flexible working and, you know, the workplace of the future. And I'm 
Really interested in speaking with you on this podcast because you've supplied a really insightful article recently for the Evolve members website on that need to adjust flex the hours or risk losing your employees post-COVID. So clearly in your world, uh, which is predominantly manufacturing as I understand it, you've been Correct. seeing and using the benefits of flexible working for some time. Um, perhaps you could just give us an insight on what you've seen as some of the advantages. Well, I think I don't think people realise just how entitled employees are to ask for flexi hours. Um, and I think it's a benefit from both sides. For instance, uh, we've had situations where we've, in, we've introduced flexi hours to allow people to come in earlier, go home earlier. Um, we've also looked at reducing the week by compounding the hours so that you maybe do 10 hours a day, four days a week, and you've got Friday off or Friday afternoon off. Um, and many of these ways uh, with flexi hours that we've incorporated have been done by sitting down with our team and saying, well, what would work for you and what are the benefits from you? And if we can do that, then we, we do it. So that's you've taken a very collaborative approach across the board then? Yeah, and I think that's really important because you don't know what people want. Um, uh, and you need to sit down with everyone. And the great thing is, if you sit down with everyone, um, everyone knows what you're trying to achieve. Everyone is going to try and help each other to achieve what they want to achieve as individuals. So if it suits one set of people to come in early and go home early, then other people will accommodate that accordingly so that, that it can work for everyone. Great. Um but there must have been some challenges and some disadvantages over the years, you know, in adopting a very flexible kind of approach. What yes, would you say some is. of those situations yeah. would be? When it, when it started off um, and people started asking for it, being a manufacturer, every minute is precious because you're worried that it's going to hit your productivity or your efficiencies. So you kind of try and... Uh, not accommodate it, shall we say, because you put the business first. But what I found is if you do your very best to give people what they're looking for, you create a really good environment for them to work in. And they do definitely go the extra mile for you. You know what they say, a happy employee is a productive employee. That may yes. sound corny, but I believe in it very, very much. And, and I've had teams of guys that, because we've been flexible with what they want to do, when the company's struggling and we've said, look, we can't get this job out on time, every one of them will work overtime to a man, the whole team, not just the few favourites that normally do it. Everyone gets behind it simply because you've looked at it, you've overcome the initial objections from the business and managed to put a plan together. So you definitely see a situation where because you give, they give back undoubtedly to a man uh, maybe i've had a, an exceptional experience but i do believe it's the environment we've created and some of that is because we've said yeah okay let's look at it guys but how can we be more flexible for you and has it caused you challenges in terms of operations particularly in a manufacturing environment where one process tends to then impact on the next manufacturing process and operationally how have you incorporated flexible working yeah, that, that's a good point. And some processes are critical uh, to the whole chain. So 
some occasions we've had to say, look, guys, whatever happens, this area must always be manned between these hours, say from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., because that's our critical period, that's our critical process, and we cannot afford to have it unmanned. Um, and that's why we take the collaborative approach, because I find that the guys understand that, and they know as well as you do where the, the trouble points are. And by working together, um, you can overcome them because they say, yeah, actually, that's a good point. We need to do this. And they take on the problem almost and come up with a solution. And uh, from the manager's role, I think it's a case of chatting to them and then pointing out where our weaknesses are and say, yes, we can do that. But what about this? And they'll say, yeah, good point. And then together we think of a solution. So, yeah, lots of challenges particularly, as you quite rightly said, in manufacturing. But when you sit down and you've got so many brains thinking about it, you can overcome anything. Yeah, that power of collective thought, definitely. And yeah. obviously within the manufacturing environment, you have this kind of, and it'll be interesting just to ask you the question, you have this split between manufacturing and the office, you know, the sort of clerical side of the business, management side of the business and the yeah. manufacturing team. Yeah. And it's sometimes a struggle to have to make sure there's not that them and us scenario. Yeah. How have you, have you applied everything consistently across the whole of the business or yeah. have yeah, you absolutely. had to treat different teams differently? No, no, we um, open it up to everyone in the business, whether they're office-based or working on the factory floor. Uh, and when we have these discussions, even if it's predominantly about the factory, the, the office staff are there as well. So if we're talking about, changing someone's hours and we're discussing about how that may have a negative impact on production we would include the office team so that they know exactly what's going on there at the same meeting because there's nothing worse than making changes on the factory floor and then going telling the office staff what you've just done that doesn't go down very yeah. well but when no, you include everyone everyone knows from the same point of contact okay brilliant and moving on to sort of where we are today and the kind of COVID situation and, and the current crisis, how have your working practices changed? Have you been able to continue to be operational throughout or has there been a pause in your kind of the business and, and, and the operations? No, we, we managed to carry on um, all through it. What we did initially was we reduced the headcount in the factory because there were a couple of vulnerable people. So we had to yeah. furlough those people anyway. Um, and there was another guy that had an underlying health issue that he came to us later on and we had to furlough him as well. So what that enabled us to do is give more space to the rest of the guys in the factory. So that social distancing was easy for us to achieve. And then also PPE was incredibly important, more important than ever before. Um, we had a, what should say, um, a wash as you came in the door so that you washed your hands in disinfectant. And we had these hygiene posts dotted around the workshop, in the factory, in the, sorry, canteen, everywhere. And I found that once you tell the people the plan and you talk about it, they quickly pick it up. and. We've had no illnesses, thankfully, as a result of that, and we've carried on and produced to a reasonable level all through that time. That's great. And have you had the clerical and office team, management team also coming in, or have they worked from home? 
they've all worked from home. Um, designers, people like that, and that's gone really, really well. Some of them enjoy it and want to carry on, and there's no reason why they can't. Some of them, because they're more sociable, they see coming to work as a bit of a social activity, so they want to come back eventually, but that's no problem either. And some of them want to stagger their hours more, again, which is no problem. So I think the lockdown has made a lot of think people think about their work-life balance and they want more life these days. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, and actually, clearly, um, you've touched on it there. They're all businesses, don't they? We all have different personality types within them. Yeah. And there's those that love the quiet and the solitude, perhaps the more yeah. technical roles. And therefore, they're finding they work better in isolation. And you've got others that are more social animal, maybe the sales team. Who, and they want to be engaging with people, don't they? And they, you need to be able to cater for all of those different personality types. Going yeah, forward. you do. That's a really good point. And you've made a good point about salespeople are naturally more sociable. They want to come in and see everyone and have a chat. So you've got to make sure that we occasionally, well, occasionally, regularly have Zoom online meetings so that people can just chat socially. It's not just work-based, just for them to have 45 minutes drop in on Zoom when they want to and have a chat and a laugh with their friends. And also instant messaging. Um, if you set up an instant messaging channel like Slack, something like that, everyone can get on and chat uh, like they normally do. And that helps as well. Yeah, well, both within Spy and Involve, we've set up a WhatsApp group, which everyone's oh, yeah. in. And, and that's worked really well. Even yeah. for those ad hoc, I'm just stuck. I'm at home. I'm stuck with this IT issue. And you see yeah. people collaborating again and helping each other. But as a business manager and business leader, how do you see that presenting some challenges to you going forward in terms of your management leadership style, communication style, when I think we are going to find this more diverse workforce workplace environment, where, which is going to be even more stark maybe in your world, Richard, where some are manufacturing, so there's a factory, they're there. Yeah. You've got some of the sales team are within the office environment. You've got the designers, more technical engineers kind of at home. That's going to take, how have you thought that that might need to change your style? Well, first of all, I think the, the main thing is communications, isn't it? You've got to, your communication level has got to be higher than ever before because if you're in and around the business, people can see you. But if you're working from home and others are working from home and some are in the factory, quickly people get a feeling of they've been abandoned so communication yeah. has got to be to the fore. Um, even if you've got nothing massive to say, it's just checking in to make people make sure people are okay. So communications levels have got to be very high. Um, like I said, instant messaging I think is a great thing to do. Uh, we have Friday afternoon beer club where a few of us meet on Zoom and have a pint and discuss how the week's gone. And how the week's how, how the next week's looking. Uh, by the end of the meeting, everything looks good, obviously, as it's a big <laughs> up. Um, but th those sorts of you've got to be very conscious as a leader. You've got to communicate, and if necessary, over communicate in this environment. Yeah, perfect, um, that, Richard. That's brilliant. Thank you for being a guest on the uh, podcast. My pleasure. Thank you, Warren. Great there to hear Richard's passion for adopting flexible working arrangements. 
My final guest is Matt Desmier. Matt's main work focuses around branding and positioning, but as I've come to learn from reading some of his content he posts on social media, a business brand and a business culture are intrinsically linked. And as it turns out, he's worked with some very big and small companies, helping them understand and evolve their culture too. Matt, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Well, thank you for inviting me on. Brilliant. So one of the reasons I really wanted to seek your opinions for this special podcast where we've got a panel of people that we're speaking to about flexible working and you know the future of the workplace is that you've been instrumental in the last 10 years in developing and promoting the prominent creative sector in Bournemouth and the South Coast. Now, a lot of those individuals and businesses and you as an individual in that time have been working flexibly. So I just wanted to tap into your thoughts and lessons that we can learn from the experiences you've seen and had over the years, Matt? Yeah, uh, well, so th- thank you for that auspicious introduction. Uh, I think the the creative uh, ecology of, of Bournemouth and the local area d- would, would have survived quite would have grown quite well without my my interference um it's but, had your encouragement Matt. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i've i've worked flexibly remotely independently uh, as wise old uncle i've been working from home for the past nine years but actually my experience of remote working goes right back almost almost 20 years to the beginning of my career when i worked for the government when i worked okay. for so I worked I work for Business Link Wessex way, way, way back in the day. Wow. That's uh, going back in uh, time, isn't it? <laughs> it was. And it, and it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. So I spent four years working uh, as part of the innovation team for Business Link Wessex. Um, and we were uh, an entirely remotely based organization. We had, there were, Business Link had two small offices, one in Paul one in Fairham that had some core admin staff, but everybody else uh, had the opportunity or was encouraged or just simply did work remotely, work from home. So it, actually it wasn't the creative industries or the creative economy that that spurred my interest in or my uh, experience of working from home. It was It was local government. Wow. Now that is a story that you wouldn't have expected that. And I suppose that leads on to my kind of thing. There's a lot of people at the moment in the media, on social media, LinkedIn, all of those kind of things, really promoting the benefits. And clearly there are and people are seeing it. I suppose I have a fear that there's some of that is short termism, that it's new, it's no, it's something new, it's novel, it's it's a bit different. And and therefore, clearly, you know, a lot of the benefits and advantages are being promoted. But I'm really interested to hear from you now going back even to those government days <laughs> as well yeah. as the wise old uncle days what have you seen as some of the disadvantages and what are some of the concerns that you would have of us moving on mass nearly as a nation to sort of a work think, from home flexible environment well i think you've just nailed it on the head there it's it's the it's the move on mass what what's happened what is happening now uh is a forced migration to remote working and and it's been an accelerated migration so we're all or we're, a lot of people are rapidly adopting uh new technological processes we're all zooming as much as we 
physically can, probably too much. And now we're all suffering from Zoom fatigue, which is akin yeah. to depression. Um, so, so we're we're embracing the te- technology side, the the stuff that enables us to work from home. But what we're what we're missing out on, and you can see it in in conversations that are happening across social media, where people say. I miss the physical interaction. I miss the the relationships. I miss the camaraderie or just being able to focus in a work environment. And because of the rapid migration, um, we've had to put all of that to one side for a bit. So the detrimental things that are happening are the eking away of any culture your organization might have the eking away of any social relationships that might have been built, the slow disintegration of trust uh, and that ability to empathize with your colleagues. Uh, and, yeah. and, that, and that's the problem that we're going to be facing. So, yeah, the, the benefits are myriad, okay? Uh, we all we, it's less time commuting more time with our family from a business leader's perspective the office overheads become lower you it it's sometimes easier to manage collaborations you can you can employ staff anywhere in the world your staff can be based anywhere in the world so those those advantages are amazing yeah, they're they're immense, aren't they? yeah, yeah, and 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 we should and we should grab those. The things that I guess we're going to miss are how do we onboard new staff? How do we yeah. how do we engender a culture of collaboration? How do we even build our own individual con- culture within this organization? How do we develop trust between teams how do we delegate work i mean you'll we've been had this structure of an organization for 100 200 years and it's very hierarchical and you advance through your career you get good at one thing so you become made a manager and now you're doing something entirely different do we do we train those managers correctly or do they learn on the job how do you how do you learn to be a remote manager on the job? Yeah, and actually, that's one of the things I wanted. To, I'm going to come back a bit to culture in a moment, but one of the, while you mentioned that, that's one of the questions I had for you, Matt, was around, you know, as a sort of business leader or and working and mentoring, you know, owners of creative businesses. How do you think the style of leadership and communication is going to need to adapt and change going forward if we go into this kind of flexible? work from home, you know, future of the uh, workplace environment? Well, it's it's going to be a paradigm shift from what we're doing today. You know, whether whether anyone admit to it or not, there is a degree of presenteeism, isn't there? There is someone yeah. sat there. Uh, I, I am safely assuming they're doing the job. If I can't see them, I will safely assume they're not doing the job. And yeah. so you've, uh, you, there, there needs to be empowerment and trust, and that's where the leadership's got to change. Uh, I think we're going to need to train more middle managers. I think there's going to need to be better leadership training. Um, okay. 
it's it's one of those things that just gets overlooked. Do you think there might be an outcome where we end up with organisations with more structure in in them ultimately? Well, I don't know if it's more structure. I think it will be it will be cl- more clearly defined parameters of engagement. So yeah. it will be you guys over there. You are a self actualizing team. You know, so I'm your manager. You need to clearly tell me your objectives. You've got to, I don't care how you do it. I don't care when you do it. I want to know when it's going to get done by. And I'm going to trust that you're going to deliver that. And then what? Are, how do I make you accountable? How do you make yourselves accountable? And it's not, and it can't be, it's that accountability thing from right now, we do it in a very top down way. It's you are accountable to me. Now it's you're accountable to yourselves, and if it doesn't get done, it's going to impact on those guys over there. And how do you, how do you do that in a in a much more human way? Yeah, I mean that so, that is the exciting bit about this is, although God, am I missing seeing people physically? <laughs> the, the, um, there is this kind of there is a thought process that now comes out of all of this about you know it's something i've been passionate about in all the years of inspire and evolve is treating people as humans and treating your team members as humans but and i'm not sure a lot of, particularly the big corporates have, <laughs> have ever done that um no. and I, but I think that human approach and what humans and it, what individuals need as an individual comes to the fore doesn't it and therefore that to me is nearly the crux of being flexible <laughs> is listening to what's important to the team yeah. member and adapting accordingly. So, and I've been and I've been very fortunate that for the past three years prior prior to the to the to the lockdown and the pandemic, I was working as a consultant with a culture change company in London, and we were working with some of the world's biggest media agencies and publishers, and the programs that we helped develop with that for them were around culture and it was about accountability and it was about developing methods to build trust and empowerment within your team to to help delegate tasks better by creating these amorphous structures um and the one thing that we found was it's it's ground up and what you have to do is you have to put in place as a manager, I'm going to give you guys the opportunity to do this. I'm going to give you guys the opportunity to fail. I'm going to give you guys the opportunity to do this thing the way you want it done. And I probably, as your manager, will not like what you're doing because it will feel alien to me because I'm not in control. So it's how do I give control to you guys and how do you guys convince me that you've got control? And it's, and it's how, how do you carefully balance that issue? How do you, how do you keep the weights on each side going so that, you know, the manager doesn't feel like he's going to end up with egg on his face. The team don't feel like they're taking on too much responsibility, that there is clear accountability in there somewhere. And actually we all know we're heading in the same direction. One of the things um, that we did with one company uh, that are in a, a Canadian company or a French company, sorry, but they have two UK offices was we got the staff to write a manifesto. They wrote a manifesto and they and they worked out what their values were. They, they weren't told what they were. We spent, you know, two months working this out with them. 
And by the end of it, they were so excited and wanted to deliver on this thing that they put time and effort into that the manager was like, I, I barely have to speak about this anymore. That's all yeah. they want. That's all they want to do. And now that team lockdown happened and they are completely dispersed. But the the way they talk to each other, the way they speak, the way they engage, the 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 direct messaging and the WhatsApp and the Zoom calls and all of these things just become tools that enable the thing that they were doing to do it better. Yeah, and that's that bottom up kind of approach. So, but it has, but it has to cut. It has to come from the. It's kind of it's that weird thing where the 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 top has to say this is. This is my idea. I'm going to let, I'm, we're going to do this. And now I'm going to walk away. Yeah. You've got to lead from the top, but drive yeah. it from the team up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I've just, because I, I think the solution is probably something, there's a solution here that isn't, a, you know, an awful one or opting in or opting out of this kind of approach. And I've heard you previously uh, speak about embracing twats, Matt. <laughs> So probably should explain that to our listeners. So can you give our listeners insight into twats, please? Uh, it, it It is an acronym. It stands for Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays. And it's this idea that, you know what, I've, I've, dis- I've discovered through lockdown that if I have time and space away from everything i can plow on through the more process driven tasks so i can do some admin i can i can crack through a load of emails and if i do those on a monday and a friday it means that i can extend my weekends longer a little bit i can i can use that time better for my own health and well-being for my mental well-being i feel like my 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 work isn't encroaching on my life. And then those Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays are the time when the social interactions need to happen. It's when you organize meetings. It's when you organize social activities that will bring a team together that will create the water cooler moments if and when they're needed. But the idea is that you focus those in the middle of the weeks and you keep the Mondays and Fridays to, to perhaps work from home or have work more remotely. The idea is that actually, if you do that, you probably don't need as big an office. You probably don't need uh, bigger overheads. And and it's, and it starts creating a framework that people uh, can embrace. It's very akin to the four-day week type thing that, uh, yeah. that I know Paul over integrates. And I can get the logic and I can see how that can benefit because you've still got some structure. As you say, you still get those um, water cooler moments. You know, you, you still get that ability to bond as a team and build the culture and yeah. support each other. And, you know, um, but you also have that time and see some of the benefits of actually, you know, that, high productivity that high effectiveness of just getting your head down and focusing on getting some tasks done well, it, i like it stop- the hybrid approach matt well it stops people you know how many of us have found that monday morning has encroached into sunday night that sunday yeah. night we sit down there and we start preparing for monday work monday's day when actually Sunday night should still be about relaxing and and easing out of the weekend. So maybe Monday morning 
should be your Sunday night. And maybe that is at home. Those emails you want to prepare, do them on a Monday morning and do them from home in your pajamas. (laughs) It's that that's what you're sort of aiming for, because we don't we, we waste so much time in an office, you know, that we waste so many hours in pointless meetings that you, the, 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 the Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday models only really going to work. If we address meeting culture, if we address presenteeism culture, if we address emails and communications and we build a culture that, that helps uh, and enables people to do work quickly. Um, but it's a starting point. And we've got to start somewhere. Brilliant, Matt. Thank you for your thoughts on on this episode of the Evolve to Succeed podcast. It's been really appreciated. Thank you. No, no. Thank you for inviting me along. I love talking. (laughs) I'm sure you'll agree that those were all fascinating insights and necessary conversations from all of our guests today. I thought it was really interesting how everyone had slightly different ideas on how to lead and manage the team and all had their own views on the benefits and challenges of flexible hours and remote working. It's clearly an issue and a debate that is far from over and in the coming months especially we're going to see more and more discussions, ideas and solutions around this new world that we're waking up to and how it's completely changed the way we think not only about work but about life in general. All I would do and say and add as a final comment on the matter is please don't just float and transcend into this new world and this new way of working and working from home and the future of the workplace. Stop, consider, plan and reset how your business, your organisation is going to adjust to this new way of working. If you haven't yet done so, then please do visit evolvemembers.com where you'll find some great content as well as information on our peer groups, one-to-one coaching and future events. We've got some great webinars lined up in the coming weeks and months and all of that information can be found on our website or on our usual social media pages. I really do hope you've enjoyed this podcast and if you haven't yet already then please subscribe to the podcast. Perhaps catch up on the episodes you might have missed. There's some truly valuable insights there on a range of topics and some great entrepreneurial stories. And I'm sure you'll find some that inspire and get those ideas flowing. Thank you for listening. And from all the Evolve team, we wish you a great week ahead and hope to hear and see from you again soon. Take care.